Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. We bless you, Lord. Our Lord and our God, we bless you. For as long as you give us breath, we will worship you. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, we will hallow your name. For who is God like unto our God? And who is the rock besides our God? A fortress and a shield you are unto us, your people. A tower of deliverance have you been time and time again. Our plea is that may our worship, our praise, our thanksgiving tonight be acceptable unto you. Be glorified in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody shout, Amen. We must follow and which we must look unto. When you study the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, you will discover that the will of God was very important to him. Hallelujah. That the will of the Father was very important to him. And to prove this, let's look at a few scriptures. Matthew 26. I'm reading from verse 36. I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. Now, this was when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane during the closing stages of his ministry on earth. This was before he was arrested. He was tried. It was an illegal trial. And he was wrongfully sentenced to death. But before the soldiers came to arrest him, he went with his disciples to pray in the garden of Gethsemane. He took Peter, James, and John a little further ahead and left the rest and gave an instruction that all of them should pray. So it says in verse 36 of Matthew 26, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. That means to say that something was weighing down heavily on him. What was weighing down heavily on him? What he was going to go through. The ordeal that awaited him. It was weighing him down. And 
it, it was not an easy thing. You know, it, it will not be easy when you know that something bad is going to happen to you and that you are actually going to die and you're going to be killed and it's going to be a painful death that you're going to be tortured. Then I want you to take note of what he said after this. He said, yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. The King James Version puts it in this way, yet not my will, but thy will be done. Or it says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Hallelujah. So Jesus was praying here that the will of the Father should be done in his life. And he didn't pray this prayer just once. In verse 42, we see again, because after praying the first time, he came back and saw that the disciples were sleeping and snoring. And was so surprised at their bad behavior that I've taken you for a prayer meeting and you have chucked yourself somewhere and you are sleeping. Sometimes you see it when, you know, there's an all-night prayer meeting. You check, you see that some people have actually arranged themselves well by a pillar or by a wall and they are sleeping. Or sometimes go and find some corner. I've caught many people many times before that you came to pray but you have gone to find some warm corner and you have arranged yourself and you are sleeping so jesus came back and found out that they are sleeping and said what you are sleeping at such a time as this and couldn't you wait with me for just one hour they told them that pray pray because something bad is about to happen now in verse 42 the bible says then these prayers that he lifted up during this difficult time for him he kept praying that the will of god or the will of the father should be done now there are other scriptures that support my assertion that the will of the father or the will of god was very important to christ if you look at john chapter 4 verse 34 john chapter 4 verse 34 now after his encounter with the samaritan woman at the well you know he had sent the disciples to go and organize food for them and he sat down by the well and this woman came and he engaged there and they had a very interesting interaction now he ministered to her she went away then the disciples came and when he came and when they came when the disciples came they were expecting that jesus would ask them to serve him but he explained to them that i've already to serve him he explained to them that i've already eaten I am okay. And so they were wondering that, oh, what, what, what's going on? And then he explained something to them in John chapter 4 verse 34. Then Jesus explained, 
my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. It comes from doing what? The will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. So, in the King James Version, it says that my meat is to do the will. My meat is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. So the New Living Translation says, my nourishment, what satisfies me, what fills me, what gives me strength and comfort and satisfaction is the will of the Father, the will of the one who sent me. Hallelujah. Look at John chapter 5 verse 30. John 5.30 He says here that I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. And so you can see, ladies and gentlemen, that from these scriptures that I have read out to us, the will of God and the will of the Father was very important to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, if we say that we are looking unto him, and if we say that he is our perfect example that we are following, then what that should mean for all of us is that just as the will of the Father or the will of God was very important to Jesus Christ, so must it be for you and I. Hallelujah. And we must make the will of God a very important quest for our lives. And if Jesus pursued the will of God all his life, then it means that you and I, if we are looking unto him, must pursue his will and must be interested in the will of God for our lives and must follow the will of God. Can I have an amen? And so I want to start a series tonight and the title of it is the will of God for our lives the will of God for our lives hallelujah the will of God for our lives a very important question that we can ask ourselves ladies and gentlemen is what is the will of God when we talk about the will of God what do we mean? What are we talking about? What are we referring to? Hallelujah. Now, the word will, as we find it in all of those scriptures that I read, which made reference to the will of God, the word will is from a Greek word. Thelema, 
which is spelled T-H-E-L-E-M-A. Thelema. It almost sounds like Thelma. Alright? Thelema. This is the Greek word from which we get the translation will in the English Bible. Now, what does this Greek word thelema mean? It means, number one, determination. Determination. Number two, it means purpose. Purpose. Number three, it means wish. Wish. Number four, it means inclination to be inclined towards something. Inclination. It is spelled I-N-C-L-I and then nation. Inclination. The word thelema also means choice. And the word is choice. It is not choice. It is choice. Never ever again in your life say trace. <laughs> it is not trace at all. So it means choice. Then it also means decree. Decree. D-E-C-R-E-E. -E -E. Decree. And then finally, it means pleasure. Pleasure. So, the word thalema, translated into will, means determination, purpose, wish, inclination, choice, decree, and pleasure. Hallelujah. So, now, when we talk about the will of God, therefore... We are talking about what God has determined. What God has purposed. Or what God has determined will be done. That is what the will of God means. It means what God has determined. So anytime you hear that expression, the will of God, what we are saying is what God has determined. Or what God has purposed. Then it also means what God wishes will be done. What God wishes will be done. That is what the will of God means. It means what God has determined. What God has purposed. What God has determined will be done. And what God wishes will be done. Now, based on what I have just said, there are two aspects or there are two dimensions to the will of God. And there are two ways in which we can look at the will of God. Number one, there is what we can refer to as God's sovereign will. God's sovereign will. God's sovereign will. What does that mean? 
it means what he has determined will be done and which cannot change. Amen. God's sovereign will is what God has determined will be done and it cannot change. It will be done. So, when we talk about the will of God, we can identify this dimension or this aspect of his will which has to do with his sovereignty, which has to do with his sovereign will, which means that what he, God, has determined will be done and which can never change. So that is one aspect of the will of God. Then there is the other aspect of the will of God, which is God's commanded will or will of command. God's commanded will or will of command. What does that mean? When we talk about God's commanded will, we are talking about what he has commanded us to do and what he wishes us to do or what will please him if we do. Hallelujah. So God's commanded will has to do with what God has commanded us to do or what he wishes or wants us to do or what will please him if we do. That is what we mean by God's commanded will. So I need you to understand that anytime we talk about the will of God, there are these two dimensions that we may be referring to. We may be referring to his sovereign will, which is what he has determined will be done and it will definitely be done and you can never change it. Then there is what we also call his commanded will or will of command, which has more to do with what he's commanding us to do, what he wishes that we will do, or what he wishes that we will do. But in this instance, the choice is ours. And the decision is ours whether we will do it or not. So the difference between the two of them is that as for his sovereign will, you don't have any choice. You don't have any option. It will by all means be done. And you cannot change it. But when it comes to his commanded will, then you and I have an option. And we have a choice whether to do it or not to do it. It is important to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that when God created us, there is something very powerful that he placed in us. And by us, I mean mankind or human beings. That thing that he placed in us was our own will or willpower. God did not create us as zombies. And God did not, in creating us, program us to perform or to operate or to act in a particular way all the time. That is what robots do. That's what robots do. And so, if you take a traffic light, in a country like South Africa, it is referred to as robots. That's what they call it, robots. Now, traffic lights have been programmed to perform or to act in a particular way. And so, 
red will come on for a certain number of seconds then green will come on for a certain number of seconds then amber or yellow will come on for a certain number of seconds and as you were taught in primary school I hope you were taught so that red means what? stop yellow means what? get ready and green means go now in a certain country whose name begins with G the yellow doesn't mean get ready to stop it means move faster because if, if, you, if you drive around you realize that and, and I'm guilty of that myself that when you see that the thing has changed to yellow or amber instead of slowing down you want to cross it so instead of stopping or getting ready to stop you press harder on the accelerator so that you can cross it before it changes to red I have been arrested before of having crossed a red light I argued and I explained to him that when I was crossing it was amber the policeman said no it changed to red at the point and the amber was a sign for you to slow down and stop and you decided to move it was not easy for me that day but that is how robots behave they, they, they are programmed to act in a certain way and when God created you and I he did not create us as robots he did not prog program us to do what he wants all the time instead what he did was that, was that he placed in each and every one of us what we call our own will or willpower which we are supposed to exercise in what we want to do or what we don't want to do he placed it in us now animals do not necessarily have a willpower what they have is more of an instinct so in a certain way it's like they, they also in a certain way they, they are programmed to act in a certain way but human beings were given a will and that will in relation to God's commanded will or will of command which I spoke about as the second dimension of God's will is that God is expecting us that when we know what he has commanded or what pleases him or what he wishes for we will voluntarily decide to do it and to follow it but it is different his commanded will is different from his sovereign will where we don't have any choice but when it comes to his commanded will we have a choice whether to carry it out or not let me show you some scriptures that describe these two aspects or dimensions of the will of God and remember I'm sharing with you about the will of God for our lives now let's look first at God's sovereign will you want to ask pastor are there any scriptures in the Bible that make reference to the sovereign will of God or that allude to the sovereign will of God my answer is certainly yes 
Now, I read one of the scriptures in Matthew 26, 39. I want us to read it again. It says, he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground praying. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Now, I want to believe that the will of God, which was at play here, which was at work here, was his sovereign will. Where something had to be done and there was no way around it, it had to be done. And so, when Jesus prayed and said, if it is possible, the answer is that it was not possible. So then it means that what we are looking at in this context is God's sovereign will. That will where he has determined that something must be done and there is no way around it. It has to be done. Now, in Acts chapter 4, verse 25 to 28... So all these scriptures are referring to God's sovereign will. In Acts chapter 4 verse 25 to 28. Now you would recall that after Peter and John had healed that cripple at the gate called Beautiful. You remember the story how they were on their way to the temple during the hour of prayer. And they, they saw this guy who was crippled sitting at the gate begging for alms and he requested of alms from them and Peter said to him look at me and then he said to him silver and gold have I none but such as I have I give to thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and immediately in faith the cripple jumped up and began to walk leaping and praising God Soon after this, Peter and John were summoned before the high priest and the, and the leaders of the people to ask them that what is this that you have done that the whole place is in an uproar. And they were instructed that they should not preach in the name of Jesus again and all of that. So after a while, they were released and they went back to their own company and together they prayed. Now, what I'm about to read is part of the prayer that they prayed during that day so now they are praying to God and they say you referring to God spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David your servant saying why were the nations so angry why did they waste their time with futile plans the kings of the earth prepared for battle the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah in fact, this has happened here in this very city. So they were saying that this thing that was prophesied concerning Jesus Christ actually took place and was referring to when Jesus was arrested and he was tried and he was crucified and all of that. He goes on and they, they, they went on and said, For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. 
Now, look at what he says after this. Or what they said after this as part of their prayer. They said, but everything they did was determined beforehand according to according to what? Whose will? God's will. So as part of their prayer, they were saying that what happened to Jesus? How he was arrested. How he was manhandled. How he was treated. How he was tortured. How he was rejected. All that happened was because God had determined that it will happen according to his will. So in other words, the the, the, the arrest, the trial, the sentencing of Jesus and his crucifixion was according to God's determined will or according to God's sovereign will and it was something that was never going to change. Hallelujah. So this is an example of a scripture that refers to God's sovereign will which I've explained to you is what God has determined will be done and which can never change. Let's look at another example in Daniel chapter 4 verse 35. Daniel 4 35. Now, this is a statement that Nebuchadnezzar made after he had been restored and he had regained his senses and been reinstated as the king of Babylon. Um, what happened was that he became proud and God had to teach him a lesson or two. And so for seven years, he was given the mind or the brain of an animal and he dwelt in the wilderness with the animals. His hair grew very, very long. His nails, both the fingernails and the toenails became like claws. And he used to run up and about I'm sure he was naked in the wilderness, behaving like one of the animals. After seven years, God restored him. And after his restoration, he became very, 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 very humble. Now, this was the prayer, or this was the statement that he made. He said, all the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He's referring to God. Then he says, he does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth now he's talking about god that god does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth no one can stop him or say to him what do you mean by doing these things what do you mean now remember that when i gave you the definition for will or thelema i told you that one of the meanings of that word is pleasure so when we talk about the will of God we are talking about what pleases him alright but in what Nebuchadnezzar is saying here he is describing the sovereign will of God where he does what he pleases and nobody can question him or interrogate him and say but you God why so what he's referring to here what Nebuchadnezzar is referring to here is the sovereign will of God where he determines what must be done and nobody can change it and nothing can change it so all these scriptures that I've given you so far are referring to God's sovereign will but that is not the only aspect to the will of God there is also his commanded will or his will of command and here too 
there are scriptures to support it. In Matthew 7 verse 21. In Matthew 7 21. And don't forget we are talking about the will of God for our lives. And all that I'm trying to get you to understand is what the will of God is. So if you like as a subtitle you can have understanding the will of God. Alright. So the main title of the series is the will of God for our lives. And today I'm focusing on understanding the will of God. Now we've talked about God's sovereign will. And now I'm trying to show you scriptures that refer to God's commanded will. In Matthew 7 21, Jesus is speaking here and he says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. What will is he referring to here? He's referring to God's commanded will or God's wish or pleasure. That's what he's referring to here. Because in the sense of what he's saying, he's saying that there are, there are people, he said, oh, those who will actually enter the kingdom of heaven are those who actually do the will of God. So it means that those who don't enter into the kingdom of heaven, they did not do the will of God. It means that they had a choice to do his will or not. Obviously, that will being referred to is not God's sovereign will. Because God's sovereign will, you don't have a choice. That is what will come to pass. That is what will be implemented. What he's referring to here is God's commanded will. Or what God wishes. Or what God pleases God. That he wants us to carry out voluntarily by our own choice. And so here we can see that it is God's commanded will which is at play. Because he's explaining to us that it is those who do it who will enter the kingdom of heaven. It means that you have a choice whether to do it or not and if you do it you will enter if you don't do it you will not enter hallelujah so this is not god's sovereign will this is god's commanded will first thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 are you with me first thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 god's will is for you to be holy so stay away from all sexual sin. Now, this verse is talking about God's will. And God's will is that we will be holy. But all of us know that we are not all holy. So although his will is that we'll be holy, and so here he says stay away from all sexual sin, we know that sexual sin is something that happens even though the will of God is that it won't happen and even though the will of God is that we will be holy. So what is the will of God being referred to here? That will of God that we should be holy. What will is he referring to? Obviously, it is referring to God's commanded will because, you know, not everybody is holy. All Christians are not holy. Christians dabble in sexual sins. But 
the will of God is that we will be holy. And that will is not his sovereign will because if it is his sovereign will, then we won't have any choice whether to be holy or not. We will definitely be. But this is his commanded will. This is his expectation. This is his desire. This is his wish for us that we will be holy. So this God's will is for you to be holy is referring to his commanded will. One more scripture. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18. It says be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What is God's will for us? His will for us is that we will be thankful in all circumstances. That means whether the circumstances are good or bad, God's will is that we will be thankful. Whether the circumstances are pleasant or unpleasant, God's will is that we will be thankful. Whether the circumstances make us laugh or cry, God's will is that we will be thankful. But all of us know that when our circumstances are not good, we are usually not thankful. How many can relate with that? That we are, our, our, our tendency is only to be thankful when things are working well. When there's money in your pocket. Have you realized that when you have money in your pocket, even the way you walk can easily change? Is that not so? Sometimes, like, uh, Richard, I- I'm sure you, 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 you can relate with what I'm saying. Like when they pay you. Do you see? And usually your kindness comes around that time. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you have money and somebody comes to ask you for something, if you have money, usually you, you would like to help. So they oh, won't talk credit, kakra, mommy. I'll say, oh, won't talk ekutue be, mommy. So usually when people have money in their pockets, they spend by heart and they forget that money has wings and it flies away. Do you see? Yeah. But when you don't have money and when you have money, you are very thankful, you are very grateful, you are very excited. When you don't have money, you don't feel like thanking God. Even coming to church becomes a problem. I've seen people, people who haven't come to church and you ask them because I didn't have money. <laughs> That's why I didn't come. And, and I dare say that sometimes you can judge what is going on in people's lives by the energy with which they praise God when they come to church. Hmm? A lot of people when they are dancing and jumping all over the place, it's usually an indication that something is working well. It's the very spiritual ones who even though things are not working well for them, they still maintain the joy of the Lord and continue to praise him. May you become like that in the Lord. And may you always be thankful to God no matter what circumstances comes your way. And why must we do that? Because that is the will of God for us. Whether you have money or whether you don't have money or he wants you to be thankful. Whether you are happy or whether you are sad or he wants us to be thankful. Whether whether what? Whether you are hungry or whether you are not hungry or God wants you to be thankful. Have you heard this statement before? An angry man. Uh, 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 a hungry man is an angry man. Do you see? 
And usually when you are hungry, you, thanksgiving is far from your mind. Usually it's complaints and lamenting. No beam will be pen cow. It can easily end up in blues. Yeah. A lot of people who fight by heart, it is because they are hungry. <laughs> so when it says here that the will of God for us is that we should be thankful, that will is referring to God's commanded will. It is not God's sovereign will. So it is important for you to understand these two important aspects or dimensions of God's will. To recap, God's will has two aspects. One, there is God's sovereign will, which is what God determines should be done. And that one, it will be done and nothing can change it. A good example is Jesus dying on the cross. It was determined that it must happen and it happened. And right from the garden of Eden, when God spoke to the woman and said to her, that your seed will bruise the head of the serpent and that I will put enmity between your seed and the seed of the serpent. It was a prophecy. It was a revelation of something that God was going to do that had to do with the redemption plan. Hallelujah. And it was determined. So Jesus coming to die on the cross and all of that is the determined, it is the sovereign will of God. Something that he determined since the creation of mankind. It's wonderful to, to, to grasp it or to understand it. But that actually is the case. Then we also have God's commanded will or the will of command. Where this one is like God wants certain things to be done. And God has commanded that certain things to be done. And God wishes that certain things to be done. And God will be pleased if certain things will be done. That will, you and I have a choice. Whether to carry it out or not. And I've explained to you that when God created us, he placed that thing inside us called our will or our willpower. And we exercise it to decide what we want to do or what we don't want to do. So when we talk about God's commanded will, it is a will that God that that, can, that you can actually obey or disobey. It's a will that you can actually carry out or not carry out. Hallelujah. Now, let me show you look at Matthew chapter 6 verse 10. And we are closing in a few minutes. Matthew chapter 6 verse 10. This is part of the Lord's prayer. And Jesus taught that when we pray, we should say this. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, in heaven, both dimensions of the will of God are done. That means, in heaven, God's sovereign will 
is done. In heaven, God's commanded will is done. There is no disobedience in heaven. That is why when Satan or Lucifer started misbehaving, immediately he was sorted out. Because you can't have that in heaven. In heaven, God's sovereign will and his commanded will is what is done there. Anything else is not acceptable. But on earth, we have not yet arrived at the point where both dimensions of God's will are fully done. That is why on earth, you have a choice whether to serve God or not to serve him. You have a choice whether to do good or to do bad. You have a choice whether to acknowledge God or not to acknowledge him. So on earth, we don't have both dimensions of God's will being fully done. Which is why Jesus said we should pray this prayer that the will of God will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. In heaven, both the sovereign will and the commanded will of God are done. But on earth, it is yet to be so. But a time will come when the new heavens and the new earth comes. When Jesus Christ returns and he begins to rule the entire universe, then this will of God, both his sovereign will and his commanded will will be done. And that is the time that Jesus is alluding to. That is the time when we can say that indeed the will of God is being done on earth as it is done in heaven. Hallelujah. So now, two important things we should know about the will of God for our lives. And I close with this. Two important things that we should know about the will of God for our lives. Number one, once we become born again, once we become born again, we must understand that God has plans and purposes for our lives. Now, what I am talking about now is in reference to God's commanded will, not his sovereign will, his commanded will. And I'm saying that once we become born again, we must understand that God has plans and purposes for our lives. And the plans and purposes of God reveal his will for our lives. So once we become born again, we must understand that God has plans and purposes according to his will for our lives. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, New International Version. Ephesians 2 verse 10. Ephesians 2 verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What does it mean? When it talks about for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus it is describing the born again experience. And so what Paul is explaining here is that we've been born again to do good works and he goes on to explain that these good works God has prepared in advance
advance for us to do. In other words, God has plans and purposes for us to do certain good works once we get born again. Now, that describes his will for us and it is his commanded will that there are certain good things that we must do in this life. So, I'm explaining to you that once we become born again, God has plans and purposes that he has drawn up for us to accomplish or fulfill in our lives. Second thing we must know about the will of God for our lives. For the will of God to be done in our lives, that is his commanded will, we must allow God to direct our steps. For the will of God to be done in our lives, we must allow God to direct our steps. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 to 6. New King James Version. Our last scripture. Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and what will you do? And he shall direct your paths or he shall direct your steps now when God is directing your steps he will direct you to do his will for your life and that's why I'm explaining to you that for the will of God to be done in our lives we must allow God to direct our steps now God will not direct our steps unless we allow him so again, this is referring to his commanded will. He has given us our own willpower. And he wants us to use that willpower and submit ourselves to him and surrender our lives to him and tell him that God, we trust in you. We believe in you. We are acknowledging you. So please direct our steps. If we do that, then what is going to happen is that his will will always be done in our lives. So, two things I have said to you about the will of God in trying to understand it is that once we become born again, we must understand that God has plans and purposes for our lives. Number two, for the will of God to be done in our lives, we must allow God to direct our steps. Now, to help you to understand this, let me close with this illustration. The first thing that I said is that God has plans and purposes for our lives. And those plans and purposes, they have to do with his will. Once you become born again, there are things that God wants you to do. There are good works that God wants you to carry out. Then the second thing is that for the will of God to be done in our lives, we must allow God to direct our steps. Now, how can I explain that to you in a minute or two? Before a house is built or anything is built, there are drawings that are prepared. These are like blueprints that are used for the construction. Any house that is built without drawings 
there's a problem somewhere. <laughs> and there are people who just get up and start building. They just mark. There's one here. Why? You know, mommy is saying that she's seen a house that clearly there are no drawings for bay. And sometimes you can see the way the house is built. Do you see? Even the look of the house. Once I did plan B any home. Yeah, yeah, sorry, and yeah, yeah, we and yeah, yeah, we and yeah, yeah, we but for any proper building or any proper construction that is done anywhere, there are drawings or there are blueprints. Now, these blueprints are, if you like, the plan that must be followed in putting up that building. So when we talk about God has plans and purposes for our lives, what we are saying is that after you get born again, there are, there, there are plans, there are drawings, there's a blueprint that God has put in place expecting our lives as Christians to be established on. So this is our church building that we will be building very soon by the grace of God. One of the things that I'm, I'm going to do is I'm going to get an architect who is going to do the drawings. Then we are going to have different types of drawings. They are going to be structural drawings. They are going to be electrical drawings. And these drawings are the plans by which our church building or church auditorium must be built but what I need you to understand in this illustration is this and that's the last thing I want to say that for the building to come up and to come up well the plans must be followed which means that the contractors the masons the electricians, the plumbers, because there will be plumbing drawings as well. Different types of drawings. For the church to be built and for it to stand out well, then it means that all those who are going to do the different aspects of the building must allow themselves to be directed by the drawings that have been put up. If they do something else, there will be a problem. And sometimes that is what happens with buildings. So after it's come up, you realize that there's a defect here, there's a defect here. When you go into it, a, a mason or a contractor, contractor who thought that he is more knowledgeable than the architect has decided that instead of the size of iron rods, he's going to use a smaller size because it doesn't matter sometimes you, 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 you will look at something that they have done and you point out to them that this thing is not correct look at the drawings the window is supposed to be this size the distance from the wall to the window is supposed to be this you put a measurement by it and it is not like that when you tell, when you tell them they tell you that take it like that <laughs> 
But if you follow when they finish the house, you realize that a house that is supposed to stand like this, it is standing like this. Do you see? And when you are close, you don't see it. It is when you are far and you are coming and say, Oh, <laughs> oh, my, my house is dancing breakdance. Do you see? And the reason is because something that should have been followed was not followed. How do we relate that to the will of God? God has plans for our lives. They are good plans to bring us to the expected end. To make our lives beautiful. To make our lives nice. These plans are revealed in his will for our lives. But for our lives to pan out well and for things to go well for us in all areas of our lives, we must follow his plans. That means we must allow him to direct us. We must allow his plans and his purposes to direct us so that our lives will go well. And that is why the, 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 the most important place for you to be in this life is to be in the will of God for your life. And as we go on with this teaching, I'm going to share with you certain guidelines that will help us to know whether we are in the will of God for our lives or not. Hallelujah. Rise to your feet and let's close. God bless you. Thank you, Father, for tonight. What a blessing it is to have had this exposition of your word concerning your will for our lives. I thank you for everyone who joined in this service, whether physically or virtually. I pray may your Holy Spirit give a deeper understanding of what has been taught today. And indeed, as we look to Jesus this year, may we follow his perfect example of how he sought the will of God for his life in everything that he did. Help us, O oh God, to follow your plans and your purposes for our lives and to yield to you and surrender to you and to trust in you and acknowledge you so that you can direct our steps into the good life and into the blessed life that is what you have planned for us. I give you thanks and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.